False Bottom Girls guides listeners through the wonderful, yet sometimes confusing, world of beer. Hi, my name is Rachel Hudson, and I'm the co-owner and head brewer of Pilot Brewing Company in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I'm also an advanced Cicerone. Hi, I'm Jen Blair. I'm the Beer Quality and Education Manager for Orpheus Brewing in Atlanta, Georgia, and I am also an advanced Cicerone, and welcome to our podcast. Welcome, everyone, to this episode of False Bottom Girls. Um, You know, we try sometimes to do, like, kind of look at the calendar and see when episodes are going to come out and figure out what our topics should be for that. So for this episode, we're talking about chocolate and beer because it will be coming Mm -hmm. out around Valentine's Day. Rachel, are you a Valentine's Day person? What's Valentine's Day? All I know about Valentine's Day is chocolate. So I know about Valentine's. My, <laughs> my husband and I are definitely at that stage where holidays don't, don't really matter. <laughs> I agree. I'm the same. I've never been a Valentine's Day person. If you're listening to this and you are a Valentine's Day person, I think that's grand yes. for you. Uh, but yeah, I, and I've also found like the older I get, the less I care really about any holiday. That's not my birthday. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Especially Christmas. Like Christmas right. can go F itself. Do you yes. know how much work Christmas is? And I don't even have kids. Right. Exactly. Ugh. Yes. If it's not my birthday or I don't get a Monday off, I don't care about yeah. it. So, uh, but that being said, it's also going to be the middle of February, arguably like the dreariest, drabbest, coldest, most miserable month, probably wherever you are, unless you're in the Southern hemisphere, in which case it's like summertime. But um, for us, it is February always just kinds of kind of sucks. Yeah. Like I think of February and I just think of like darkness and slush. Well, then you put a business on top of that. It's still slow. Yes. <laughs> so that doesn't help. The chocolate's right. the only thing, only way I can get people in. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so chocolate is a great a great thing to celebrate in the middle of this dreary month. It's something you can do inside. It's delicious. And you can brew with it. You can pair beer with it. Um, chocolate is one of those things uh, last year, or no, I guess it was probably a year and a half ago. I took a big, big break off from drinking alcohol at all. And for a while, like I was kind of freaked out by that because I was thinking, okay, if I'm not drinking, I've done all of this work and put all of this effort into beer sensory and kind of like, who am I, where, you know, where do my skills fit if I'm not drinking beer and happened to do a sample ox chocolate pairing for, um, through sample ox, which is a subsidiary of draft lab. It's a really cool app. Everybody should check it out, but they did a chocolate pairing or not a chocolate pairing, but like a chocolate sensory thing where they sent you, they call it their ox box. So they mm-hmm. sent you this box that had three different samples of chocolate in it. And you uh, did basically a blind tasting of chocolate. And so Draft Lab, of course, has like the malt, base malt flavor map, the hop flavor map, the um, beer flavor map. They now have maps for like cheese, chocolate, coffee, whiskey, I think kombucha, all sorts nice. of flavor maps. But they do have a chocolate flavor map. So you, you know, evaluated this, these blind samples of chocolate uh, with the, the chocolate flavor map. And it really opened my eyes, one, to how different chocolate really can be. You know, like I knew that I had an Mm -hmm. idea, 
but tasting through these three different samples was like, wow, this is, there's a world of difference between all of these. And it also kind of reinforced that, oh yeah, when you, when you're doing something like sensory skills, that translates into a ton of different areas. So recently I've been getting more into spirits and distilling. And um, so far, the only tasting I've done is adding vodka to my kombucha, which doesn't count. (laughs) And I know it doesn't count. (laughs) But you're learning all the different types of vodka. (laughs) All the different potatoes. Yes. Yeah. I'm learning how Tito's goes with strawberry rhubarb kombucha, um, which is good. You can't taste it. So that's good. but it's chocolate is one of those areas that it's like, oh, wow, you really can. Not only does it help you strengthen your sensory skills when you come back to beer, but your, you know, your sensory skills translate. So anybody who is listening, and I know this is kind of a, a diversion. What do I do if not divert the topic of our conversations? <laughs> uh, but if that's something, you know, if taking a break from alcohol or, you know, you're wanting to kind of spread your wings or flex in a different field, Chocolate is a really, really great area to use to, you know, be able to apply those sensory skills that you have um, in a really fun way. I mean, chocolate is is pretty good. I've only met a couple of people in my life who don't like chocolate. Yeah. And I just find that to be a very curious thing because yeah. as we'll talk about, there's so many different kinds of chocolate. It's kind of like if somebody's like, I don't like beer because I don't like bitter IPAs. It's like, great. There are a yeah. ton of other beers out there for you to try. Uh, so Anyway, that's the end of my diversion. Yeah. It's like not liking pizza. Like, where right. are you from? Right. Exactly. Yeah. It's carbs and tomato and cheese and then whatever else. Like how? I don't know. I told myself I have, for some reason, this is probably a story for our Munich trip or episode, but for some reason, ever since we gotten back from Munich, I have been craving fondue and I've been eating it too much. And yesterday I was like, Jeff, I will not eat cheese and bread today. Pete after me, Rachel will not eat cheese and bread today. No matter what I say, I will not. And he was like, you want me to make gumbo? I was like, with baguette. I was like, I don't have any cheese, right? Baby steps, baby steps. Right. Yes, that is a fondant. <laughs> Oh my God. Oh, here we go. Thank you. That was good, everyone. (laughs) All right. So let's get back to chocolate. Um, Okay. Okay. Why don't you tell us about making chocolate? I will, because another thing that I really like about chocolate, and it's the same way with coffee, uh, is that chocolate is also a fermented product. And that's, I think, a lot of times, it's not like all fermentations go together, but, you know, chocolate coffee, cheese, beer, this is all some kind of fermentation. So chocolate is a fermented product of the cacao tree. And the cacao tree is native to South America and Mexico. So the the tree has between 20 and 60 pods, and each pod has between 30 and 40 seeds. So when they're harvested, the pods are split open and placed into bins to begin fermentation. So fermentation usually takes about two to eight days for the chocolate, or at this point, it's still the cacao. And the longer the fermentation is, the less astringent and bitter and more fruity and floral the cacao will be, which I think makes sense when you're thinking about like beer fermentation. If you stop your beer fermentation too soon, you're going to have a lot of really harsh flavors. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you let it fermentation complete, 
you get more flavor development. So after fermentation ends, the beans then are dried for five to seven days and then sent to the manufacturer. So the manufacturer cleans, roasts, and grades the beans before removing that shell to extract the nib. And so these are what is known as cacao nibs. And I have to say, one thing that sticks my mash is hearing brewers saying that they're brewing with cocoa nibs yeah, because that is not it. That's not what you're using. You're using cacao nibs and it sounds so pedantic, but it, they're two different, completely different things. Um, so if you're using cacao nibs, those are not called cocoa nibs. They're called cacao nibs. <laughs> uh, so we can use the nibs as is, which I, I've done before in brewing. I think, Rachel, you have too. Mm-hmm. Um, or they can take the nibs and grind them into a paste. And at this point, this is known as cocoa or chocolate liquor. And in this sense, the chocolate liquor is the same way we have brewing water is known as liquor in the brewing process. So there's not actually any alcohol in the chocolate liquor. Um, it's the same as having like hot liquor or cold liquor in a brewery. And after this is done, so the next step for the chocolate maker is to heat the chocolate liquor to make it pourable. And at this point, the liquors then is blended with cocoa butter um, and they their ratios between chocolate liquor and cocoa butter is what gives us different kinds of chocolate, uh, along with some other things that we'll talk about in a second. Or the chocolate liquor can be pressed to separate out the cocoa butter and the cocoa solids. And... I know I've bought like cocoa butter lotion before. Um, cocoa butter is used in cosmetics and pharmaceuticals. And then the cocoa solids are ground into cocoa powder. So then the last step in the chocolate making process is called conching. And that's where the paste is needed to develop whatever the chocolate maker wants the texture and flavor to be. And um, I know... I once was able to take a chocolate 101 class from a gentleman named Blair Potts, and mm. he is the proprietor of Potts Chocolate in Charlotte. Uh, but what was really cool about Blair, like that was one of the first times that I, one, learned about the chocolate making process and was able to taste different kinds of chocolate and kind of learn about how he as a chocolatier, you know, made this chocolate. And, at, you know, at the end of the class, it was like, I'm a certified Cicerone and I do beer and chocolate pairing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we had a conversation. He's like, oh yeah, like I used to, I used to be really into beer and now I do a lot of like whiskey and chocolate pairings. So fast forward to a few weeks later and I'm reading the uh, Michael Jackson's, the beer companion, right? So like this compendium that Michael Jackson put together and it was really, we've talked about this book before, but it was really like the first book that if you, this was really the first book that introduced a lot of international beer styles to like an American audience who were just used to like macro lagers. Uh, so this book came out in 93. And as I'm reading about, you know, at the time is this very, very young American craft industry. Uh, Michael Jackson specifically references Blair Potts as being one of the first people to open the um, I forgot, I think it was maybe the Cambridge Brewing, uh, but he opened was one of the first people to open like a craft brew pub in the United States. And it was the same guy. And so Michael Jackson has like this whole paragraph about how amazingly talented Blair Potts is. And I was just like, and here I was like this little snot nose. <laughs> I say snot nose. I was like 35. 
but you know, being like, I know about beer and like, I'm talking to this guy who was one of the first people to open a brew pub in the United States. Um, so he was very kind to me <laughs> about that. Um, but anyway, that's one of the things I remember him talking about is like how secretive he is over his process where even his daughter worked with him. And I, I think that he would even like make her leave when he was doing the process or he was getting ready to teach her how to do his process, but they were very, um, like he was incredibly secretive about his process for making chocolate and, you know, had kind of like that, that recipe just right with the secret ingredients that he didn't want to share with anybody. So he would only like finish the chocolate when absolutely nobody else was around, which is again, a different diversion, but um, just a, you know, a little peek inside of a chocolatier. Um, so in the United States, it's different for each country, but the FDA divides chocolate into several different categories. I won't read through all of them, but, um, you know, cacao nibs is kind of the top. And then we have chocolate liquor, no actual alcohol. And that's going to go all the way down through like milk chocolate, bittersweet chocolate, and so on. And one thing I remember reading about that really surprised me, but also made total sense is when we're talking about white chocolate that actually doesn't contain any chocolate, it's a confection. And so it has no cocoa liquor in it at all. And it's, it, I still find it a little interesting that they're kind of like allowed to call it white chocolate, because I know there are people who, you know, don't want you to be able to call almond milk milk and, you know, don't mm-hmm. fake cheese shouldn't be called cheese. And I, I've met dairy farmers. I understand that position, which is why I'm still surprised that white chocolate like gets to be called white chocolate when it isn't a chocolate product. It's like red velvet cake. There's no velvet. Screw it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's my issue. (laughs) There is no. You are not wrong. (laughs) You are not wrong. (laughs) So, yeah, that's a little bit about the just the background of how chocolate is made. Of course, there is a a ton more information, but um, that's just a a brief overview of that. So when we're talking about chocolate for brewing, uh, and I know we've talked about this before, like I remember learning as a young home brewer that chocolate malt didn't have chocolate in it. And, you know, learning that like, oh, that's, it's called chocolate because of the flavors that are developed during the process, but you can brew with chocolate. Uh, I know I've brewed with cacao nibs and I think I've brewed with chocolate syrup before. Rachel, what have you, what chocolate products have you used? Um, Cocoa nibs, but I'm just a coconut believer, but Amanda used Mexican hot chocolate once, like like a mix. powder, like the mix. Yeah, that was good. Um, but I'm just a big chocolate malt, cocoa nib brewer. Cacao nib. Cacao nib. Cocoa nibs. <laughs> They're not cocoa nibs. No, they are cocoa because I just, uh, it's actually cocoa, C-O-C-O, like the cereal out of the box. So it's just, that's just goes into the whirlpool. Right. It's still cacao nibs. It's, oh, it's cacao nibs. Yeah. Cacao cereal. <laughs> cocoa puffs. Yes. So with cacao nibs, um, they, the big thing to remember with chocolate is you can add it to your boil, but you're also a lot of times going to be adding fat and oils to your wort. So with cacao nibs, you can add them to the boil 
um, but it's usually better to add to the secondary fermenter of bright tank um, because you avoid that fat extraction and you also get a better cacao flavor and aroma. Um, one of the issues with using cacao nibs is they contain a considerable, considerable amount of tannins and those tannins can leach into the beer if it's left in contact with the beer for a long time, which again, when we're talking about long time, we're not talking about the difference between like four and seven days. We're talking about like four weeks, long time, and maybe not even then. And I, again, as a young home brewer, remember wanting to add cacao nibs to one of my beers and thinking that it needed to be milled with my green <laughs> and put into the mash. But you can do, I mean, you can, you can, you do. can, you can do cacao nibs in the mash. Um, well, again, you're, still getting you're, those, get yeah, you're getting those fats and oils and not a lot yeah. of flavor. And it sure does fuck up your mill, <laughs> your mill. <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so don't do that, everybody. If you're uh, for some reason thinking that maybe you should listen to your old pal, Jen, and do not do that because um, then your brew day, brew day gets delayed while you have to take your mill apart and clean it to get all of the cacao out of it. Uh, so another alternative you can use is cocoa powder. And one caveat with cocoa powder is if you're using a lot of it, it can create a really chalky character. Um, with cocoa powder, you can use it in the mash or the boil. Again, if you're, I, I don't always, I, I don't think that you get a ton of stuff when you add it to your mash if we're not adding um, you know, if we're not talking about just grain or um, even like mash hopping uh, there with mash hopping there, are, you know, I've done it before. I haven't done a side by side to see if I got like a really um, different kind of character in the finished beer or not. But when you're adding stuff to the mash, that's not grain. I don't know how, you know, how much you're actually utilizing that flavor. But if you are going to use it in the mash, you can sprinkle your desired amount into the grain bed at the beginning of the sparging process. So you don't want that to go through your entire mash pro process unless you want a stronger cocoa taste. But again, you're going to boil off a lot of those volatiles. So with cocoa powder, it's going to lend a dark and bitter flavor to the beer. And with cocoa powder, I, I have also remembered hearing people talking about like, I'm using Dutch cocoa. And I didn't know what the difference was between that. So you can have natural cocoa powder, um, which is going to be naturally acidic. And you can use cocoa, Dutch cocoa that has been treated with an alkaline wash to neutralize some of the acidity. So mm. for baking, for brewing, that's the difference between natural and Dutch is that the Dutch cocoa is not going to have as much acidity to it. Uh, again, you can, so you can use solid chocolate, um, if you're going to do that, you want to grate it to dissolve, help dissolve it into solution. Um, it's going to add oils, it's going to add bitterness. Um, it will usually also have, with solid chocolate, it's also going to have other things added to it. So it's going to have added sugars, added oils. It might have other flavoring, emulsifiers, smoothing agents added. So just be aware that you're not necessarily adding just straight chocolate. If you're wanting straight chocolate, then use cacao nibs. Um, and if you're going to be adding chocolate, you need to make sure that you're extending your boil time. You want it to be a long and vigorous boil to help volatil volatilize some of those chocolate oils. Otherwise, you're going to have poor 
head retention, you know, if you're making something that's a really high ABV, that's going to be pretty foam negative anyway, maybe that's not as big of a concern. Um, and then what a lot of brewers use is this product called Cholaca. And this is an alternative to using cacao nibs and it's a water-based liquid. So basically somebody's made an extract, a chocolate extract for you that you can add. Um, with that, of course, it's a lot easier to get your dosing just right, you know, to figure out exactly what you want that flavor to taste like and then scale it up. So those are okay. a few ways that you can add chocolate to chocolate flavor to your beer. Um, so when we are pairing, so that's a little bit about the process of chocolate um, fermentation, a little bit about brewing with chocolate. And then next we'll talk about actually pairing chocolate with beer. So I, most of my research today came from the beer pairing book by Julia Hers and Gwen Conley. One thing that I love, love, love about that book is that they have a ton of charts for pairing. So they have um, one that I'm looking at now is pairing chocolate with beer. Their um, chart on pairing beer with cheese, I use that a ton. Um, I especially used it a lot when I was kind of learning more about cheese and how to pair with beer. So their all of their charts are just fucking fantastic to help you like walk through your different things. But I think the biggest takeaway when we're talking about different kinds of chocolate and talking about beers to pair with them is it's cool to go obvious and go with a stout and a porter. That's fine. That's pretty easy. You're going to have a pretty good pairing because you're matching a lot of those flavors. But as with any pairing, when you're told like these are the, the most common pairings, they're not the only pairings. And so it's always, that's why it's always great to like taste whatever material you're going to be pairing the beer with and, you know, thinking through what are the flavors in there that you would like to highlight um, or starting with the beer and thinking like, this is what I want to highlight in the beer and then working backwards for your pairing. Uh, but yeah, generally speaking with something like a stout or a porter, it's going to match whatever chocolate you're using, particularly if you're talking about like a bittersweet or a semi-sweet chocolate. Um, one thing when I did the, the chocolate class with Blair a few years ago was one of the chocolates that he had was so fruity and had such high berry flavors that I was like, oh, did, did you add flavoring to this? Like, does this have like raspberry flavoring in it? And he was like, no, this is pure chocolate. This is, you know, the fermentation process and then how he makes the chocolate. But I like, I kid you not, it was like biting into chocolate with raspberry added. And that was the yeah. first time that I really realized like, oh, if you have really high quality chocolate and, you know, and you're also paying attention to what you're tasting, then there is like a this whole lots, world of yeah. <laughs> flavor. Lots of, lots of fruity notes that you can get. Yes. Yeah. And so um, with unsweetened and bitter chocolate, which is, this is what that was that I was trying something like a fruited Lambic is fantastic or thinking of anything that's really fruit forward um, is really, really good with something like a bittersweet chocolate because it really helps you pick out a lot of those fruity notes. And then you know, as you're going through kind of more of the refined, when we're starting to get more like cocoa butter, sugar, vanilla, that's when you can kind of turn your attention to using something like an amber lager or a sweet stout 
uh, if you're wanting to highlight those fruity notes or the spicy notes, something like a Saison or triple or even Hefeweizen will be a really good match for that. Um, and then with white chocolate, again, you know, we're not talking about like chocolate product, um, but rather a confection, but something like a wit beer or some kind of a fruited, like fruited wheat, fruited lambic will be a really good pair for that as well. And I really like the idea of <laughs> white chocolate with British brown ale because, you know, British brown ale has that the kind of buttery diacetyl, like low levels of diacetyl flavor to it and kind of caramel that like that's, as I was looking at this chart, I was like, okay, I need some white chocolate <laughs> and a like Samuel Smith nut brown. And I need a, some semi-sweet chocolate and like a left-hand milk stout. Like when I was yeah. looking at this, this chart, I was like, these two things immediately jump out to me as being like, okay, yes, I absolutely need to try, <laughs> need to try out some of these pairings. Yeah. So that's, um, again, that the charts in the beer pairing book are fantastic. That, that book is good. I don't love all of the actual food pairings, but in terms of explaining kind of large categories like chocolate, cheese, you know, snacks, um, I think is a really great book. And they also do a great job of laying out, they call them palette trips and giving you like little beer pairing pairs that you can do where it demonstrates like here are pairings that are very, very good. Here are pairings that are okay. And here are pairings that absolutely don't work. And it's all kind of done. Like you almost have like a charcuterie plate with like three different beers. And it's like, okay, you know, taste this with this and this is not a good match. So then taste this with this. And this is a very good match. Um, but yes, this is not a beer pairing um, fan episode. So Rachel, why don't you walk us through how to taste chocolate? So tasting chocolate is can be a little bit similar when you're sipping beer, tasting beer, when you're actually trying to perceive what you taste in the beer. Um, so to take you through the first step of tasting chocolate or the step of taste chocolate, first you, you have your piece of chocolate, right? So when you're tasting the chocolate, you want to notice like basic flavors and aromatics and then mouthfeel. Um, I have also worked with Blair Potts before, actually, when I was first opened the brewery and I was like, Jen, I want to, you know, obviously you start thinking of all the events you can do and chocolate and beer was obvious. And she suggested I reach out to Blair Potts, who fangirl was very excited to meet him when I realized he was such a beer person. Right. But um, so he was really cool. And we did a, a chocolate and beer pairing class together. So these notes actually come straight from him. And he said that, you know, when he when he's at home eating a truffle with his wife, his wife will take 10 minutes to eat that truffle. And I was just like, oh, my God, how do you yeah. control yourself? <laughs> I set out being like, I'm going to be like, yum, 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 yum. Yeah, yeah. Let it melt slowly. Say yeah. it. And then I like, <laughs> yeah. okay, that's enough of that. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. So he was he takes this very, very seriously. This is not just pop it in your mouth. This is notice it, smell it. Um, when you are, when it is in your mouth, notice the mouth feel. you like really allowing the chocolate to coat your mouth. Um, remember all your flavor receptors are everywhere on your mouth. So you want to use all of those to your advantage. Um, he mentions that you should pinch your nose, bite it and let it melt, discover the basic taste. 
So this is something that we do in beer as well. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very common for us to pinch our nose, allow the sample to swallow in our mouth, swallow it, and then release our nose to take a deep breath and focus on the on aromatic notes that you're getting from this retronasal, um, we call this retronasal style of tasting things, if you will. Right. So with the, the basic taste, this is also, this is important in, it's for us with beer, it's not quite as important, but it is good to understand the difference between taste and aroma. Yes. And so doing this, you can taste how bitter or how sweet or the acidity in, uh, in chocolate, the same way you can do that with, with beer. Um, so I, I really like that because it does make you stop and be like, okay, is this sweet? Is this chocolate? And then, like you said, release your nose and get all of that retronasal there to then get the aroma. This is yeah. all very like tantric chocolate tasting. Yes. <laughs> this is serious time. Right. And it's, uh, it's helpful because you are blocking your nose from perceiving these aromas. So you can focus on what you are, the flavor that you're getting in your mouth. And then when you release your nose, you're allowing the whole combination to come together. So it's, it's kind of, it's good to like get a base of like what you're tasting really. Um, because you can understand easier one or two flavors versus a whole array of flavors. So it's, and we do this with beer too. It really, really is helpful. Um, you also want to move the chocolate against your palate, like I explained, and chew it and explore the mouthfeel. Uh, the one thing that I've noticed about beer, the longer I let it sit in my mouth, I will start to perceive some different flavors. But at the same time, I start to gather up saliva <laughs> Yes, and, and my sample warms up and dilutes. I can't really keep it in my mouth as long as you could keep this piece of chocolate. Right. And that that is an important, uh, actually a really good distinction uh, or an important point to make is that as soon as beer, chocolate, anything goes into your mouth, it immediately changes. It immediately yes. changes because of the pH of your mouth, your saliva, and that can change yep. you depending on the time of the day, depending on what else you've eaten, your, your mood, how you feel. Yeah. Your mood, so many things, all of that. So that is an important thing to remember is that uh, like, as soon as it passes your teeth, whatever it is that you're, you know, you're evaluating has already changed. It's actually amazing to me after learning that, like that we even have competitions for beer that we even yes. like, yeah. that we even care about what this person is tasting or perceiving. Like, yes, yes, it, yes it's helpful to learn, but like at the, at, at the end of the day, I don't know, I think I should get 10 extra points on my Cicerone test just because just for a little, right. Right. <laughs> a little yes. curve, when you, you know, <laughs> uh, I remember in high school, I took a physics class, not because I was necessarily interested in physics, but I liked the physics professor or the physics teacher. And, and also I didn't want to dissect anything. So I never took a biology class, but he had done like quantum physics. And so he was like classic weird dad, you know, where like he had was, I mean, you're, first of all, you're the kind of person who becomes a quantum physicist. Yeah. <laughs> um, but then you also become a high school teacher just so you can like fuck with teenagers all day. Yeah. And that's what this guy did. But one of the things when he was trying to explain quantum physics to us is, you know, he was like, you're sitting in your chair, you're, you're fairly like, you know, that you are here, you're certain that you're sitting in this class right now, but like on a quantum level, on a molecular level, 
none of that is certain. So it's not certain at all that you are sitting here right now. And that's kind of like, what? And that's what I think of when I like the more you learn about how we perceive and how variable our genes are and our experiences and our saliva, you know, and yeah. even on in the same person at any given time. Yeah, it's like, okay, we're all just, we've all just agreed to this artifice that this yeah. is what this should taste like. And, uh, and maybe we're all none just, of us actually taste that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're all just, we've all just agreed that like, this is graham cracker flavor. And yeah. maybe we're all tasting different things and are like, okay, this is graham cracker. Like maybe what yeah. I say is graham cracker actually tastes to you like mushrooms. And you're like, okay, I guess this is graham cracker. <laughs> so, yeah, no, that is a really good point is that like on the on the biological level nothing is certain so like once you kind of understand that it's like okay well anybody can yeah taste and evaluate anything and is equally qualified (laughs) they just might have a different vocabulary than you do right (laughs) oh it's a effed up world out there But one of the reasons chocolate and beer go so well together is they are similar. Like Jen mentioned, they are both a fermented product, but they have a lot of similar flavors too. Like we're talking about malt-based food products. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, we're talking about chocolate-based, but it has a lot of malt-based flavors. So chocolate has a lot of like sweetness that is derived from natural sugars and malted cereal, uh, bitterness um, that comes from the dark cacao. And just want to put emphasis that I said that right. And then, you know, bitter, beer has bitterness that comes from hops and sweetness that comes from malt. And they're, they're identical on that spectrum. So they mm. automatically will go well together. But on top of that, they bo- both beer and chocolate can have more flavors than just that. You have spice, vanilla, caramel, fruit, smoke, coffee, notes. I mean, the hundreds of flavors that you can find in both chocolate and beer. So it really are a great way to explore um, contrasting and complementary pairings mm-hmm. i remember doing um uh what was it it was a truffle from blair pots and i don't remember what it was and um we paired it with two different beers one was our pumpkin beer or harvest saison and really don't remember the other one us but the ex- sensory experiences were 100 different with the, just the two different types of beers in the same chocolate and it was really cool to be able to taste how how different it was that is but, super cool that makes me like i want to do that now yeah i'm, I'm going to do, <laughs> i'm going to do it cool well thank you everyone for joining us for this very romantic episode <laughs> of using chocolate in beer and pairing chocolate with beer if you do your own chocolate and beer pairings let us know about it you can find us on instagram and facebook at false bottom girls you can email us at falsebottomgirls at gmail.com and you can visit our website at falsebottomgirls.com also you can join our patreon we've rolled out some new features for our patreon members you can join the patreon for as little as five dollars a month um you as a member of our Patreon community, you'll get a monthly newsletter from us. We've kicked off a new interview series where each month we do an interview with someone in the beer industry or beer adjacent. Uh, Our first one for January was Keith Villa, PhD, the co-founder of Syria Brewing in Colorado. Uh, You can learn more about becoming a patron by visiting our website. We have a link to Patreon there. So once again, thank you everyone. Rachel, I hope you have um, 
a regular Monday, just like I'll be having on February 14th. And yes. happy Valentine's Day to all who observe. This has been False Bottom Girls. And we make the Bruin world go round.